The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you desire to reach your highest potential in your professional life, the next hour is going to help you uncover proven concepts developed by Lori Moss to help you pump up your professionalism, up-level your career, and transform from being stuck to being sought after. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, tackles all of the tough talks everyone knows about, gossips about, but never fully address in the workplace. Now is your time to transform with the expert in professional presence. Now, here is your host, Lori Moss. Welcome to the Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life. Thank you for joining us today. The Lori Moss Show brings topics to the table that involve awkward and sensitive professionalism issues that everyone knows about, they gossip about, but they never fully address. And those sensitive issues, appearance, behavior, interactions, that keep qualified people stuck and employers concerned about the impact of the elephant in the room and what it's having on business. Now, our topic today is about turnarounds in business. And just the nature of a turnaround um, leads one to believe that it's a messy situation or it's come to be pretty messy, but it's a long process. And it's, um, you know, turnaround stories of a business is really identical to the turnaround story of an individual who's stuck in their career. Um, the business has its highs and lows, and, and most of us experience a rough patch or two. Um, so we, knows what it, we know what it feels like just to wait until he eventually turns around, and then it doesn't. And um, I had... The reason I was really interested in this topic, number one, my guest um, that will be joining us momentarily here, I met about three months ago, and she, she was such an interesting person around the turnaround business, her experience, and um, at a really top level. I experienced it myself on a departmental level, and I went from a person who was not even part of the department, but an outsider that needed um, to bring clients into that department. And I just wrote out the decline of the business uh, from the sidelines because I knew my clients would come in regardless of what was going on around the professional presence of the department, the demeanor, the structure was all starting to crumble. And I noticed in that period of time that colleagues of mine who were top performers, top of their game, we're starting to descend also to a, a level of mediocrity to match the fact that there was an absentee manager who, um, and I won't go into those details, but when the manager, you know, when their 
standards went down. It's amazing to watch the rest of the department go down. Consequently, inventory went down because profits were down, and then it started to impact me. And everybody has a decision to make during that time individually as to what they're going to do. Are they going to stay? Are they going to contribute? Are they going to step up? What's going on? And what ended up happening to me is I had actually come to the decision that I would probably leave the business that I had truly loved working in because I had some other endeavors going on. And a couple of weeks later, the entire situation turned around and I was approached to actually do the turnaround of the business. So the purpose of this story is to show how a person is on the sidelines, doesn't want to get involved, watches the decline, is actually thinking of leaving. This is the messiness of turnarounds. But the passion was there and the desire to stay, and and there we go. So that being said, this is why I care about turnarounds and why I think we need to talk about it on our show. It is a privilege today to have as our guest Casey Galdine. Casey is the president of Lead Management Consulting. She's an accomplished C-level executive with more than 30 years of experience turning around businesses, social enterprises, nonprofits, and entrepreneurial endeavors. And she's here with us today to discuss the hidden treasures that hold the key to transformation and a return to success. It's the people at the bottom line. So Casey, welcome to our show today. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, great. You have been so successful in helping organizations um, really on on many fronts. Uh, The more proactive stages in organizational development, going in and helping with process improvement, being playing an advisory role in guiding and supporting management initiatives. And then there's that catalyst for change that <laughs> that's required of you in the last-ditch effort stages of faltering businesses. So I think we have a lot to discuss today, and um, let's just get on with our business here. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is, how did you get into the turnaround business? I think it was inevitable for me to do that. I... Um, uh, would say that I've been a change agent since I was born. It's just been something that's been very exciting to me and and very much uh, in my blood. And I, uh, it, it always seemed that every job I ever took out of from high school on, um, I always was gravitated to those positions that the company was looking for uh, a lot of growth or they were having significant uh, financial issues and product issues, service issues, and they needed someone to step in who was willing to roll up their sleeves and make it work. And I also had uh, the opportunity very early in my career to be responsible for, in a nonprofit, to be responsible for building an army of volunteers, motivating them, uh, helping them feel uh, 
energized and fulfilled and, of course, not with the carrots of position and, and salary and all those kinds of perks. So I learned a lot about uh, how people come to the situation and what all uh, comes with them in that situation. And I had the opportunity to really observe and watch uh, leaders look at nothing but the bottom line mm. and not understand uh, or grasp the idea uh, that people are the bottom line. And so uh, in 1994, I decided to um, start my consulting uh, company and only focus on being the interim CEO for turnaround situations, and I wanted to come in, first of all, I'm a systems thinker, so rather than approaching uh, in the usual way with just the numbers of the uh, balance sheet and the profit and loss statement and the intentional and unintentional branding, if you will, of the company, I was entering a system, and I was very curious. I had an appreciation and an understanding and a sincere and sincere belief that people are the bottom line and recognize that innovation is transformation. And uh, it required uh, a significant um, collaboration with the people in order to get everybody aligned and everybody on board to make things happen. And I have been very successful with that and um, with that approach. So, Casey, you you go into a company, mm-hmm. and and um, everybody is sitting there wondering what's going to happen because all of a sudden there's somebody new there, and it's somebody that that's going to have some influence. Whether your position as the interim CEO is repro- reporting to a board or other partners, what you know, whatever the scenario is, so everybody is a little bit on the defensive position, and they also, I would guess, would want to influence. Um, you. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I'd really like to hear about really what's the real deal on how do you get in and get people to trust you? Well, first of all, every uh, time I've ever entered in as an interim CEO was always the board of directors who brought me in uh, to the organization. Um, and um, My approach is I do first and foremost an informal assessment process and a formal assessment, but I do the informal first, and I use an appreciative uh, approach to that so that I am sitting with teams uh, first and then individual members of the staff, uh, not just managers and leaders, but also line staff, and we people will gr- move in the direction that you inquire about. So... Uh, my inquiry was all about what's going really well and what was it about that individual that made that go really well and what might exist, what could exist uh, that would turn the tide and uh, what are the opportunities uh, for greatness 
first of all, this tells me a lot about the individuals uh, that I'm talking to, whether it's a leader, a manager, uh, a line staff person, because asking the right questions can give you significant insight into an individual's willingness to commit, to trust, uh, to be responsible for growth. Uh, most people in an organization have greater potential than they maybe even know or where the, where the manager or the leader knows about. And uh, smart companies, in my opinion, need to focus on, make their bigger investment of time, energy, and money on the employees who have the capacity for extraordinary performance. And um, the second piece in terms of the formal assessment, this is where we get, we gain knowledge from everyone about what is the leadership capacity, what's the adaptation or adaptive capacity of the organization, and the, what's the management capacity and the operational capacity. And the, the really important thing about these things are that uh, people need to know why they're doing what they're doing. What results are they going to be accountable for? What's the standards they are evaluated against? Where's the business going and how do they fit into the overall strategy? And by answering all those questions for everyone and having a, a balance uh, between all different levels of the organization and inclusivity. Uh, everyone is involved and everyone uh, knows what their place is in the whole and everyone starts to become uh, a creator and therefore an owner of mm-hmm. how they're going to move next. Right. Okay. And um, so you're able to... Pr- pretty soon in the conversations shifted from trying to explain what's wrong, which is probably what they've been very used to doing for quite some time. Right. And shifting them into a possibility um, right. conversation, which right. is uh, it's a skill. <laughs> and um, well, and they're probably shocked, quite honestly. When, when people get to that point where business has been really declining, um, they – they just they become that they become defensive, like I'd said earlier, and um, yes, they have no trust. No they, one at any level, whether it's the board level or whether it's the staff level, no one has any trust, and and certainly the staff is no longer committed or aligned with corporate strategy, and and uh, they lose sight of of the mission, and goals become moving targets. Uh, uh, for especially for staff, because leaders are groping and trying to figure out how do we move this 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 engine down this track. Mm-hmm. And and probably everybody goes into it thinking, seeing things the way they've already always seen it. A, a certain person does this, or they don't do that, or they've put everything into a box. And sometimes it's really hard to open that up and right. see who has that hidden potential, right? Which, which is um, something that that you and I will talk about here in a few minutes after we come back from our break about um, a situation where you found a hidden treasure that wasn't apparent in the least, and um, you know really made a difference, right? For you, so. Um, as we go to our break, um, let me just mention to the audience that 
we really want to hear, this is a new show, we want to be addressing topics that our listeners want to hear about. So please go to www.loriemossconcepts.com forward slash radio. Here you'll be able to ask Lori any question that you would like to hear about on the show and then sign up for our newsletter. Your questions and suggestions will be used either in our future shows or addressed in the newsletters. And while you're there, connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So when we get back um, here in just a couple of minutes, Casey will be sharing with us a situation that she had, and it was really about overall the behaviors, relationships, interactions, and personal values that, um, that tell a story. So with that, um, we'll go to break, and we'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at L Moss Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at LoriMossConcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting LoriMossConcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. I'm Lori Moss here with my guest, Casey Galdine. And we are continuing our discussion today about the messiness of turnaround of businesses. And um, before we go into um, a real grassroots story of how all this goes about, um, I, I was real curious over the break as I was thinking, my experience with turnarounds, let's say it's a new CEO coming in, the other CEO has been let go, um, you have lunch with this person, and I, when I was young and inexperienced, and I don't think it matters if you're young or experienced, I had my own agenda, and I can imagine that it gets even riskier at a higher level where you have more to lose. So the agendas are heavy, the, the tribal, um, the tribal part of it all comes into play. So, um, how do you, 
how do you get through that pretty quickly so you can get down to what can, what can be better? Well, that's what I was uh, attempting to describe with the uh, informal assessment. Um, you know, as I said earlier, uh, what you in, uh, people move towards whatever you inquire about. And when you're sitting in front of a person, just you and that person, and you're, you're taking notes, and there are 6 to 14 questions that uh, I use. There are about 14 questions with individuals. There's six different questions I use when I'm working with a team. And it's the, the investigator, if you will, uh, me, you, whoever that might be, uh, who has to keep focus on appreciation rather than ugliness. But it's the first time they've ever had anybody sit and listen to them. So you have to let some of that happen, but you, but then drawing it back to uh, what's working well and what was it about you that made the difference so that this worked well, tying them back to uh, success and not failure and, and constantly returning and, and recycling back to that. And because First of all, people, accountability is avoided, (laughs) clearly avoided when uh, you're in a turnaround situation. So that's going to feel like nothing but being beat over the head with a club. Uh, Trust is gone, and uh, they don't trust anybody. Uh, Even maybe their best comrades, they they worry about them. And Mm -hmm. uh, they're no longer committed to the corporate strategy, and they have their agenda of survival. So you have to get through that survival into thinking about what's possible, uh, no matter how outlandish it might be, what's possible and uh, what would help what would help them, what results do they want to see happen, and to know that this is all going to be reported out uh, to uh, everyone so everyone knows uh, what can happen with the organization what the opportunities for greatness are. Mm-hmm. And, and mission how- and, you know, mission goals and roles are the three things, whether it's a turnaround or it's, it's ordinary uh, performance uh, isn't up to par, low performance. You'd be surprised how many people in an organization that no matter how big it is or how small it is, do they really understand the mission? Is the mission something that's always upheld in front of, of uh, all of us uh, all the time? And is that how our goals and objectives are uh, created, developed, and, and implemented? And does everybody know what the goals are? How many people in the frontline people are doing work and they're not really sure why they're doing it? What, it, what, does, what difference does it make to the company? Uh, and uh, what their role is not just in that particular piece, but what their role is in the whole company, that everybody is a leader. Everybody is moving the needle. Everybody is the bottom line. And that's why that piece of people are the bottom line is so very important because every individual person from the doorman to the receptionist to the secretary, all the way up to the board members, every individual person is, makes that bottom line happen or not happen. So um, why don't you um, give us an example of a situation that you had as an interim CEO and um, 
in that hidden treasure? Okay. How you went about that. Okay. Um, first of all, one of the things that I this very important to me is that the whole person comes to work, not just their job skills. And skills are something that 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 you have an intellect for, you can be trained with, but the other piece of that is, which fits the story of, of John that, that I want to bring to the table, is emotional intelligence, uh, self-awareness, self-management, uh, social awareness, relationship management, uh, either su- the, your family that you come from, the perspectives that you have, your worldview, the way in which you were raised, the the uh, your your group of of friends, not just family, uh, your emotional uh, quotient either supports you as a high performer or it acts as a barrier to your success based on. Uh, all of these things of whether or not you can recognize your your own and others' emotions and use this information to guide your thinking and your behavior. So that's what I mean by the whole person comes to work. And uh, a very huge turnaround that I uh, was involved in for uh, took a number of years. It was so uh, deep and so wide. Uh, I had a staff person named John, and when I first, uh, before I ever had my first meeting with John, um, uh, I had uh, been told by others that um, he was benign. Uh, he'd been in the company for four years and never been promoted or received a merit raise. Uh, the directors above him never questioned whether or not he had the capacity to move uh, up, and they didn't see him as a future uh, leader. And if I would have just paid attention to uh, him and and how he looked and his demeanor and the things that were said about him, um, I might have thought the same thing. But in turnaround, uh, at least from the way I approach things, I needed to ha- dig deeper and find John's value to the organization just as I needed to find everyone's value uh, to the organization. So in my interview with him, uh, this is where I learned about his character and his attitudes and his interpersonal style and his uh, EQ, his emotional quotient. Um, I learned that he supported other staff's performance and ideas. Uh, he went out of his way to help other uh, department staff. He mentored his own staff. Uh, his agenda was the organization's agenda, not a personal hidden agenda uh, that he wanted to uh, uh, lay out on the table for me. I could tell from his answers and his um, be, his behavior, his personal behaviors, the way he sat up in the chair, the way he listened, the way his eyes brightened up. Uh, he was a collaborator. He was a team player. Uh, he saw other people's uh, point of view. He never put his individual needs above his team's or his department, he was responsible for about 25 different um, staff uh, that were frontline staff with the public. He could stay focused on the positive, and he saw the potential in the company, and he was obviously very passionate about the company because he did stay focused on the positive and didn't want to dredge up uh, the uh, bad and ugly. (laughs) 
um, he was willing, he was resilient. This was a, a huge thing that came out from our um, conversations. Um, I could challenge him. Um, I could coach him in the moment. Um, he wanted to move up in the ranks of the organization. Um, he was adaptable. All of this came out of the appreciative uh, conversations we had in the informal interviews. Um, and it was very obvious that uh, John needed to change the way he was viewed by upper management and uh, change his uh, relationships and transition from an individual contributor to a high-performance manager. And one of the things so- that you know, we, we say to organizations that I also say to people, how would a successful staff member in the position that you want, how would they act if they're in that position? What is your perception about how would they act? Is ask this a that, question you would ask John about someone else? Is this part of the process? If he well, this is, this is part of the process in, in working with John. Uh, how would, uh, he wants to be promoted, so let's talk about that promotable position. How would somebody who is really successful in that position, how would they act in that position? And then the, the comment back is, then you need to act that way every day, and you need to assess yourself every day and make adjustments if that's where you want to be, uh, if, uh, if that is your ideal scenario. And so we talked about dressing for the the part because John's part of what the management staff, why they saw him as benign is uh, he was in jeans or khakis and T-shirt and tennis shoes. That was the way he dressed uh, at work each day because he didn't see himself in that moment as a customer-facing individual, even though he was, he was managing, supervising, not managing, but supervising those 25 staff who were customer-facing staff. Um, he needed to stand up to conflict uh, while he was maintaining his, his, self, his self-control and be able to deal with difficult situations rather than cower back from them or sit in the corner and, and not be heard. He needed, to, he needed to have a voice on uh, ideas and positions on things that mattered, had a significant impact uh, on the company and especially on the change efforts. And he needed to coach his own people on how to be promotable, which was going to also uh, circle back to him as an individual, which means he was going to be coaching himself at the same time. And he needed, there were some skills that he needed to improve upon in terms of management and, and um, organizational structure and communications and, and uh, making policies. But he had the intelligence, he was smart, and he could do this. It's the, the emotional quotient. Uh, it's the first impressions that he, as you talk about, that he would be making on the people so that they could start to view him differently. And the bottom line was that 
I think I mentioned the fact that he hadn't, uh, he'd been with the company for four years and he, he hadn't been promoted or received a merit raise. So making these shifts and making these changes, within two years, uh, he moved from a supervisor to a manager to a director of the department. And uh, in his uh, third year, because his potential was so great, they created a new position, Director of Human Resources, which John moved into as the Director of Human Resources. And then two years later, uh, it was time for, for him to grow outside of the organization, and he became uh, the Director of Human Resources for a national company um, that's first in their industry in the U.S., and um, I stay in touch with him as his mentor uh, after I left the organization and got him through his uh, first uh, his first promotions and and to the director so, of human resources and he's, okay. he's an amazing individual. So um, let's talk about a little bit about um, he clearly made those changes, but yes. what was it like for him, number one, to get the awareness um, of of what was holding him back? And, you know, he number was like one, he was king. in a position as a manager to mm-hmm. set the example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. He, he had to transform in front of a staff that he managed. Right. Which, which is awkward because people notice the change. And um, so can you tell us just a little bit about that? Were you still in the company while he was making some of these changes? Yes, yes. Uh, One of my roles uh, as a, uh, in a change effort like this is doing an awful lot of coaching (laughs) with people that I saw that had a lot of potential and coaching their, their managers and their directors to support them. Um, John was like a, a kid in a candy store. I mean, he had so much willingness and mm-hmm. and uh, so much desire to succeed that he was very transparent with his staff and and brought them up with him in the they journeyed it together. So uh, he started uh, changing the way that he dressed. And uh, when they uh, questioned him about that, because there was a huge tribal mentality uh, in all levels of the organization, it's kind of like that show Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How they they had got what they had gotten to before I came along. Um, But it can be threatening, actually, especially when they know that the essence of that individual had huge potential. He was being held back. Yes, by yes. these things. But his and immediate reports uh, would start uh, teasing him or whistling him, at him when he would come oh, yeah. in with, a, with a shirt and pants. And David would approach it uh, very openly and very directly and say that, that he felt that he needed to uh, show up in the right way uh, in the organization and in front of customers and that... Um, he felt that this change was very necessary. He was very transparent about it. And so they, and, and then he began to look at and think about the staff and how they looked to the public and how they approached the public. And together, uh, he worked with his staff 
and they all decided on what the look might be. And it, it uh, moved from just um, white shirt, uh, tailored shirt and khakis to an actual uniform. But, but over a period of a year, they moved in this direction, which made a, a huge difference uh, to the customer growth that was happening um, on the facility side of the organization. And he began to talk to them uh, and and be interested in in them as individuals in terms of where they wanted to be in the company or what what they wanted their career to be, so that he could make connections for them, not mm-hmm. only within uh, the company that we were in, but when they left the company and they made their next move because. We had college students that uh, worked for him as well. Okay. He began yeah. to change. Oh, um, I'm going to interrupt here just a minute because okay. um, we need to go to break here in just a few few seconds. But we'll continue this because this is the really interesting part about how does how does one get it done? Right. <laughs> and um, you know, the other thing that you talked about was standing up to conflict. Yeah. And. Um, and having a voice. So with that being said, we're going to just take a quick break here and we'll be right back. Please go to, go to www.lorimossconcepts.com forward slash radio. Sign up for our newsletter. Please let us know what topics you'd like to hear in our program. And um, we'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. If you have a question for Lori Moss, you can tweet it at L Moss Concepts. Find us on Facebook with keyword Lori Moss Concepts or send an email to radio at LoriMossConcepts.com. Stay connected by visiting LoriMossConcepts.com to learn more. While you're there, read our blog and sign up for the Lori Moss Concepts newsletter for more tips. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. I'm Lori Moss here with my guest, Casey Galdine. And um, we want to continue on with our discussion previously about a turnaround situation where a hidden treasure emerged that had really 
held a lot of qualities, but because of the way he presented in the workplace, he wasn't considered to be someone who could be influential, could move up through the organization. And um, how he transformed and became very successful. So, Casey, welcome back. Thank you. And um, before we left on our break, we talked about dressing the part and um, how they all he and his staff actually came to a uniform situation for that particular department. So it's, it's interesting to see how it was inclusive with a lot of people to come to that. Um, let's talk about next the standing up to, to conflict and dealing with managers in meetings and higher level interactions and how he uh, transformed that for himself. Okay. Well, one of the things that I did uh, was we had a, uh, a director's meeting uh, every Monday morning, and um, because uh, John was supervising such an important group of people and because I was supporting his change and his growth, I included uh, him into this director's meeting uh, a couple people had manager titles, but most of them had uh, senior director uh, titles. So John's uh, typical personality was very laid back and, and very quiet. And the other people in the room were big personalities, uh, strong uh, personalities who had more confidence. Um, so one of the things that uh, we coached uh, John about is that he needed to have a voice and he needed to stand up and and to the the, the directors in the room when things mattered. So uh, we encouraged him that be, knowing what the agenda would be for the meeting, for him to look at these agenda items and if there was something in there that he needed to have a voice on because his staff had such an impact on it that he needed to do what he needed to do, research, whatever, write out a speech, whatever, but he needed to come to the table and he needed to... Uh, uh, give show priority, show strategic thinking uh, to help make whatever needed to happen happen. That was very difficult for him in the beginning, but he he did uh, he had the willingness, so he did his research, he planned out what it was he wanted to say, and he was being supported by myself, and he was being supported by his director uh, to have that voice. And the first few times were challenging um, when the bigger personalities tried to back him down. Uh, sometimes he held his ground well and sometimes he didn't. But after uh, uh, 30, uh, 60 days of being in these meetings, he became an equal partner in that room and people started looking at him differently and people would, uh, who in other departments that his department was impacting would come to him and have conversations with him prior to making a decision. And that's when we knew the tide mm. was turning. He, I also gave him uh, opportunities to, when, when presentations were being made to the board, I always liked to bring staff in so they could be seen by board members uh, and questioned by board members and uh, so the boards could see uh, what 
who who all were involved in making this a success. And so he had opportunities to make presentations on changes that needed to happen within his area uh, to the board and and have to answer board questions. And so he needed to be prepared, and he learned how you don't just have an opinion, you don't just have an idea. Uh, if there's something that needs to happen within the company, if there's something that you feel passionate about, if there's something that's going to make a huge impact on the bottom line, do your research, do your analysis, do your design, and and set a plan uh, so that you can present it to the appropriate audience who's going to help decide whether or not that moves forward. So all of your justifications, everything. So again, you come prepared and you know what it is that you're trying to implement and you need to get sponsorship. That's really important no matter what kind of innovation or creative idea, whatever it is, you have to have sponsorship. So teaching him how to gain sponsorship and what those sponsors need, whether it's a board member, whether it's another employee, staff member that's equal to him or whether it's someone above him, what do they need and what is their style? Are they data-driven? Is there some other way in which they need to hear information? Um, And he was very impactful in helping me drive a huge change within the organization to the board of directors because as with any uh, turnaround uh, situation, board members uh, have sometimes many different agendas than the leadership or the staff does. Steve Jobs and, and his organization is a perfect example of that. And yes, so I, yes, had board, I had board members who had a very different agenda based on their personal opinions, ideas, and needs, not on the organizations. And so we had to educate them. We had to direct them. We had to steer them towards the right path. And uh, all the directors and David helped in making this happen so that the the biggest uh, person on the, the, the individual on the board who had the biggest difference in agenda finally said at the end, how thankful they were that they got all of this information because now they see the genius of the direction we're trying to go in. And they, and, and John and directors and managers were all part of making that happen. So while John is faring so well at these higher-level interactions, he's got a staff of 25 people below. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my I, I'm curious on... Did the staff step it up based on how he was presenting himself? Did he need to be really involved with their development? Clearly, no one had taken the lead for his development prior to you coming into the situation. Again, what our show talks about a lot is people being stuck because of what's not being said. So here he was in a position where someone um, explained to him where his opportunities were and how to get to the next level. How well did he do that with his staff? Uh, In the beginning, he, uh, as we all do, uh, he had some great success and he had some uh, not-so-great success. But he was able to look at that, uh, you know, every day and make adjustments and, again, being very transparent 
with staff. And of course, there was, there was many pockets of resistance and pushback. There were many pockets of resistance and pushback on the whole staff. Not all of the, of the, the staff made it through in the beginning through all this change because their agenda was, I'm going to make this not happen. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so David was one of the success stories. And there were other success, success stories as well. But as a whole, um, the turnover that was the, the normal turnover of college students graduating from school and going on and getting their, their first uh, bigger job, uh, there were very few people that uh, fell off of his team as a result of the change. And David wasn't the only one that was supporting his change and and their change. The whole management staff was supporting the change as well because it it was so important to the growth of the organization because the the customer base grew 150% in three years as a result of changes that were being made with uh, uh, John's uh, staff on the customer side. And all of this information was being imparted on a daily basis uh, to that those 25 people so that they could see the impact that they were making. You know, you and I have talked about that 2080 um, yes. rule in companies, and I thought that your take on that was so interesting. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Um, well, generally, companies spend 80% of their time on the squeaky wheel and only 20% of their time on uh, the people who have great potential for uh, great, uh, excellent performance because they think they're self-sufficient and they, you know, they don't, they don't really delve into their capacity. And I believe it should be the opposite. And there's a great uh, book out that we talked about called uh, Multipliers, which talks about that as well, which I would encourage everybody to read. They've done a great job in that. And leaders, I think if leadership spends most of their time, money, and energy on that 20%, that is going to push that performance of that 20% who has the capacity to uh, for extraordinary performance, they're going to uh, have a great influence on that 80% for them to get off the dime and move up or find a different place to be. And if you're focused on that 80% as you're doing, I mean, excuse me, that 20% and, and focused on and been committed to extraordinary performance and supporting it and giving them the resources they need uh, and whatever else they need personally, professionally, and skill-wise, and, and you turn your organization into a learning organization from, from that 20%, you start recruiting and you start uh, uh, training, creating uh, develop, training development programs that's going to move people up to that twenty percent. And not everybody's going to everybody's going to make it, but uh, things are changing. You know, we've got four to five generations in the workplace now, <laughs> which creates its own uh, set of challenges. And timelines have gotten shorter doing, uh, due to customer needs and technology advances. 
and disruption in the marketplace has become the norm. So you can't afford to take give your time and energy and resources focused on people who 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 have low performance and who aren't making it. Um, you either turn them around or you let them go and uh, let them find their passion someplace else. That 20% is, gonna, is what's going to make the company great and make it a great place for people to work. So it's really about um, holding to the standards and the company culture and just the collective momentum behind that, it makes it difficult for the 80% to want to work in that environment. So right. in, in some ways, they weed themselves out. They look yes. for alternative Generally, places. Generally, that's what happens, yes. But when you go into a turnaround situation, I would guess that there's even more than 80% that are, are working around the level of mediocrity. Just because oh, absolutely. Even the... <laughs> Even the 20 percenters who were 20 percenters, if they haven't moved on already, because chances are they Mm -hmm. have, because they won't stay in that kind of environment, Uh -uh. (laughs) uh, they're striving for success. They're not striving for mediocrity. If uh, even if they have stuck with it, um, they uh, aren't performing uh, to any to pro, you know there's four levels of capacity and they're probably at level two because they can do that in their sleep and they don't have to worry about three and four because three and four doesn't exist because uh, most uh, turnaround situations if it's if it's drastic they're at a level one uh, uh, maturity uh, as a company as an organization. Well, Casey, this is really. I've been enjoyable to have you as my guest today and to really uh, talk about how turnarounds really happen and how generally, like we just talked about the very end, a lot of that 20% has moved on. So much of what remains is the hidden treasures that actually need someone to have that awkward and sensitive conversation about what's holding them back. And then when that willingness comes into play and the desire to change, it's unbelievable, isn't it, to see how someone can transform and really be influential and take a stand at the high levels. And ignite the imagination, uh, that that can catch on and become a forest fire of excitement. Well, thank you for joining us today, Casey. And, um, you know, I'd like the audience, our listeners, to remember that the impression you make impacts your ability to capture the attention of others who will pause and listen to what you have to say. Thank you for joining us today, and it was truly a pleasure to be with you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to The Lori Moss Show. Better job, better life. To learn more about Lori Moss Concepts, our services, and to connect with the expert and professional presence, visit LoriMossConcepts.com. Tune in next week for more professionalism transformation. The Lori Moss Show, Better Job, Better Life, airs every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a successful week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.